My League podcast. This is episode 002. We're here on a Tuesday night around 1017. We've been troubleshooting our audio here for a little bit, but we're all good now. And we've got it figured uh, out, and I'm excited yeah. about it, and I love this podcast. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Siri's been interrupting randomly, so that's been fun as well. Um, as always, we wanted to remind you guys, we have a Twitter account. We'd love it if you'd come and follow us, follow along, you know, argue with us. Yeah, ask feel us free questions. to like quote tweet our stuff. If you see something on there that you like or you disagree with or you agree with or you're excited about, quote tweet that and have a conversation with us because we'll bring it up in our podcast most likely and have uh, an, ab- an ability to kind of interact with you so you don't feel like you're just listening to us, but you feel like you're a part of the podcast as well. Yeah, that's the whole point of this podcast. We want to try and, and, and grow a community here so that, you know, we can have this open dialogue. We want to talk to people. We want uh, those of you who are in fantasy leagues who don't feel like they can have honest conversations with their league mates uh, to be able to talk to people like us. You know, we might not know everything, but we want to know everything. Yeah. Um, yeah That's a good so way to put a, it. Yeah. So uh, if you want to, if you want to reach out to us on Twitter, our handle is at IML podcast. Uh, I, re- I realized last time I said at IML underscore podcast, but that's okay. That's okay. Most of you found us. You know what? We can just make at IML underscore podcast our burner account in case, you know, we say anything that's so prolific that we get suspended or something. <laughs> I think I spam followed enough people to get us suspended already, but uh, <laughs> we're still active. We're still, yeah. I'm still, I'm still uh, poking the, the, the bears in the industry. So it we're is good. what it is. Yeah, so uh, let's launch into uh, our first topic tonight. We want to talk about the draft, obviously. it's uh, uh, It happened, obviously, last weekend. It was fun. It, it was, was a blast. new format. There's all kinds of stuff that happened. Josh, what do, you, uh, what do you think about the draft last weekend? I loved it. That's the first time that I've been able to watch the draft in probably five years, just because uh, moving out of a different career where on Thursdays I was busy at night, so there's no way that I'd be able to watch it. And so I, I loved watching it. I thought it was really fun and engaging, and I thought they did a really good job making it feel normal, even though we're in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah, we were uh, we were actually able to Zoom with our league, uh, mm-hmm. and that was really fun. Um, it's, it's kind of funny how uh, social distancing uh, creates opportunities for things like that in a way that like that it wouldn't normally do. Um, Josh, uh, we want to talk tonight about our biggest surprises in the draft and our biggest letdown. So how about you give us your biggest surprise? Uh, my biggest legitimate surprise, I think, is the one that everyone's probably going to go with, which is the Packers trading up into the first round to draft Jordan Love. I think that they probably could have gotten him later on. I don't know what teams are jumping the gun on him, except for maybe the Jaguars. Um, so I think... That's probably my legitimate surprise is that they went out and got Jordan Love. I mean, they're literally one game away from making it a little bit further into the playoffs, into the Super Bowl, and instead of going out and getting some pieces that would enhance their chances, they decided to go get some players that won't play for like half a decade. So I don't understand that completely uh, because they went and got A.J. Dillon. So it's like they didn't draft a wide receiver and probably one of the deepest wide receiver draft classes like ever you know I was trying to figure out which draft classes have actually had a deeper receiver pool than this one and the only one I could come up with was the 2014 with like Allen Robinson and Odell Beckham and Mike Evans and and all of those players and it's it's crazy to me to think they don't draft a wide receiver here so yeah, I think it trading seems, up, seems like such weird. a waste of Aaron Rodgers like just 
I mean, yeah, he's getting older, but he's still kind of technically in his prime. He's still, yeah. you know, in terms of NFL, you know, quality starting quarterback. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, he's one of the, I'm not going to call him elite, even though he has been elite. He's not performed. I mean, if you look at Tom Brady, this guy's got at least a decade in him. Yeah. I, I think <laughs> the real, the real takeaway from Jordan Love is the Packers now have J-Lo and A-Rod. Yeah, that's my favorite tweet slash joke I've so, ever heard or seen in my hey, entire we're not, life. Hey, it wasn't a tweet. It was, it was an original idea, you guys. No, it was a tweet. <laughs> it was a tweet. It was fun. I think for me, my biggest legit surprise was C.D. Lamb going to the Cowboys. Yeah, that that's is just crazy. unreal to me. Like, you take the, the top, um, arguably the top wide receiver talent in this class. In the class. And you put him on the same offense with Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, Ezekiel Elliott, Dak Prescott. Uh, and I know that offensive line isn't as good as, good as it has been, but mm-hmm. it's obvious that uh, Mike McCarthy has told Ke- Kellen Moore he can do whatever the hell he wants. And yeah. Throw the ball all over the field. Well, I think they will. See. Last year, you know, people had Randall Cobb on their roster, even though those were third, fourth, fifth on the pecking order in the Cowboys offense, they were still people that you're putting on your fantasy roster, even if you were in a 10-person team league. Yeah, CeeDee Lamb to the the Cowboys was interesting, especially because he's literally the best receiver in this class. And I think one of the interesting things, and maybe even this is my biggest surprise in the draft, is that there's really no one that got put in a perfect situation, except for maybe Jalen Rager. I think after that, it's everyone else has kind of been put in a position where they're going to have to be a second-tier player on, on the starting lineup, or they're going to have to wait a year, or they're going to have to develop a little bit into the offense before they get like a an, you know a top first or second round pick kind of role. Um, what do you think is your biggest letdown from the draft? doesn't even have to be fantasy related. Um, biggest letdown for me as a, as a fan of Jalen Hurts was him going to the Eagles. I think it makes a lot of sense because, you know, I don't know if you know this, but, you know, a couple of years ago, Nick Foles was the backup and he actually won the Super Bowl. And so... Um, <laughs> So the backup quarterback for the Eagles is usually a pretty important piece, I guess. And so I think for Jalen Hurts to be be there, I was just a little bit let down because I was really kind of hoping that he would go somewhere that would give him an opportunity to showcase what he's capable of doing. Because, you know, in my opinion, I think he's just as good, if not better, than Justin Herbert. And I definitely think he's better than Jordan Love. And so for him to fall into a, you know, a clear second, a, a second string player role is expected. But I kind of wanted him to go somewhere where he could get a shot. And I think Carson Wentz is too good for him to lose a starting job to someone like Jalen Hurts. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that uh, Jalen Hurts, um, we actually had him as our quarterback three in this class uh, with a 95th percentile college QBR, which is the most predictive metric we have for quarterbacks. Um, It doesn't mean that all of them who have a high college QBR are going to be successful, but um, you know, and some people would even contend that Jalen Hurts didn't actually even look that good despite his college QBR. Um, you know, we're not experts. We don't know. But um, I do kind of like the, the spot uh, just because the Eagles are a good team. And, yeah. you know, you want good players to go to good teams. Mm-hmm. And by the sounds of it, they're going to be using him like a Taysom Hill on steroids is what the report has been. And, and if that's the case, then he's a super flex value. No, I agree. And, I mean, what team does the Philly special better than Philly? Do you know what I mean? And so the idea of having Jalen Hurts in that position makes me feel really good about him. It, on the Eagles, I think I was just a little bit let down that he's not going to get, you know, 
the starter role that I think he deserves, or even a shot at the starter role that I think he deserves. For sure. Uh, I think my biggest letdown, um, I'm looking over in Detroit, and, you know, it was obvious that Karrion Johnson was going to probably get replaced this year. Um, I just feel bad for DeAndre Swift. Like, it's not the ideal offense for his skill set. You know, he's a very talented runner. Um, he's a, a good pass catcher. He's not the best in the class, but he's a good pass catcher. Um, and they just don't, you know, they're not probably not going to throw the ball out of the backfield a ton. Um, he's, you know, they spent the number eight overall pick just last year on, um, on TJ Hawkinson, who's going to have a redundant uh, kind of, kind of repertoire, you know, in where, where they catch the, where they catch passes, you know, kind of over the middle within 10 yards, you know? Yeah. Um, so I think his upside is a little bit capped. I think he, I'm not saying he's a bad, bad pick in first round, uh, in the first round of dynasty mock drafts, but, or rookie drafts. Yeah. Uh, but I, I just think it could have been better for DeAndre Swift. And I think when it comes to DeAndre Swift, I think that that's where we can kind of just go right into the next portion of our podcast where we talk about running back landing spots and so for those of you that are in fantasy or dynasty leagues uh, rookie draft leagues where you're you're looking at maybe you have the first or second pick in those leagues and you're asking yourself do I draft Clyde Edwards Hilaire or do I draft Jonathan Taylor probably not DeAndre Swift because we just talked about him but what would you think your considerations are for Clyde Edwards Hilaire Jonathan Taylor you know the the knock on uh, CEH this entire process is that he's not as athletic as we want him to be. Um, The other knock is that he's a system back uh, there at LSU that Joe Brady was, you know, dialing up some things that the college, the the college football had never seen before. Um, And so everyone in that system benefited. I think it's, uh, I think it's a little bit of everything really. Uh, You had a high quality quarterback play. Uh, You had a running back who is, the most elite pass catching running back to come out since Christian McCaffrey. Yeah. Um, 55 about, catches last year, 55 catches, a thousand rushing yards. He's the only running back in sec history to do that. That's insanity. Um, so obviously with our, you know, running backs coming in, we want them to, to have the best, you know, athletic profile that, that, you know, possible, you know, it, like Jonathan Taylor, like Jonathan Taylor. And that's the dichotomy that we're looking at right yeah. now. And we're looking at CEH and Jonathan Taylor. And some people would say that CEH was a system back. And yeah. that system was an amazing system. It was a system that the, that college football had never seen before. And, and you know, a lot of people attribute, you know, uh, Edwards Hiller's success to that system. And um, I think, uh, you know, I'm here to say that both can be true. That yeah. Edwards Hiller can be an unathletic running back and he could be the perfect fit as yeah. well. And I think that's exactly what we're looking at in mm-hmm. Kansas City. I think so, you know, so too. So, so people who are out there saying, oh, well, he's not, he's not this running back prototype. He's not, you know, 5'11", 217 pounds, uh, doesn't run a 4'4", four, 5'. Four, you know, he's not – yeah, no, he's not a prototype. That's That much is obvious. He's 5'7", 207, you know, but he's the most elite pass catcher to come out of college, a pass catching running back to come out of college since Christian McCaffrey, you know. So yeah. there's that. That's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other thing I'm deal. looking at is Jonathan Taylor, who is that athletic, you know, freak. You know, he's yeah. five foot ten, 
227 pounds and ran a 4.39. You know, he didn't show a ton of pass catching prowess in college, but he showed that he can do it his senior year. He got 27 passes. That's good enough for me. Yeah. You know, so. Especially um, for a we run heavy have, guy. Yeah, we wanted to have this conversation here because, you know, Josh, I, we, we, we talked about it in our last podcast. You have the 101 yeah. in one of our leagues together, and mm-hmm. I have the 102. Um, so we're this has been a conversation beyond this podcast. So, yeah, uh, it's I'd been love a conversation since like the end of the season last year. And I think for me, it comes down to if Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is a system back that's coming out of one of the most prolific college systems, and now he's been drafted by probably one of the most prolific offenses that the NFL has seen in years, not to mention one of the one of the most elite quarterbacks to be in the NFL, and not to mention that that guy's that that quarterback is pretty young too. And so I think that there's an opportunity for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to – he could get 55 catches and still get 150 touches this year, even with Damian Williams there. I know that's aggressive, but it's possible. Do you know what I mean? I think that there was moments last year where Damian Williams wasn't in the backfield, and you could tell that those wheel routes and those short routes were missed. And so I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is a perfect fit in that window for them. And so – and then on the other hand, you have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL – You've got Quentin Nelson, who was drafted very high to protect Andrew Luck and did it for, like, how long? He protected Andrew Luck for, like, what, 12 months before Andrew Luck retired? And so now there's this opportunity for one of the best offensive lines to have Jonathan Taylor. And so for me, if I'm looking at fantasy, both of these players, if if I'm looking at a a rookie draft in a dynasty league, the issue that I have is that I'm going to have to draft with my first overall pick a player that may not benefit me in totality until the following year. Because I think that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to be a great running back. Damien Williams is still there, and I think Damien Williams has been paid to still be there. I think they could have let him walk. He could have signed somewhere else. I mean, there's a lot of things that could have happened with him, but instead they made the effort to make sure he was still there. And then you have Jonathan Taylor, who's going to be coming up behind Marlon Mack. And Marlon Mack looked like a good running back last year. I think people, before Jonathan Taylor was drafted to the Colts, probably we're going to draft Marlon Mack pretty high in most of their redraft leagues. And probably if you're a dynasty player and you have Marlon Mack on your your roster, you're probably still stoked about him this year because there's still a lot of opportunity for him. And so I think what ends up happening is you're going to have to use your 101 pick or your 102 pick in your situation and draft somebody who you might not get to start week in and week out, which is kind of a bummer. Yeah. And uh, that, I mean, that's kind of universal this year with these running backs. Um, I would say with the receivers, too. Yeah, yeah, receivers especially, but that's a different issue. We'll get to that later on in this podcast. But uh, for for these running backs, you've got, you know, probably at least three, uh, probably three who, three or four who will see see meaningful work this year. Right. Uh, The others will kind of, they won't necessarily be riding the pine. They'll just be kind of in the mix. Um, We're looking at, Guys like J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers, uh, Keyshawn Vaughn, um, DeAndre Swift. <laughs> you know, all yeah. these guys, uh, they, they project the uh, into 2020 as kind of 1A, 1B running backs. Right. Um, and that's what's different about uh, Edwards Hilaire and Jonathan Taylor and why they're in that kind of a tier of their own. Is that you know while they will probably you know they're still going to be part of part of a, a touch split, um, but it's not going to be like a touch squeeze, you know, like yeah. Dobbins is in, unless the Ravens just legitimately view him as 
far superior to everyone else on the roster. They very well may. And they but might. Mark Ingram's still there. And he know? played well, and the veteran's going to get the carries in that situation, especially if they play well. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I want to pose this question to you, Josh, here um, before we okay. move on. Um, you're on the clock, 101. Who do you take right now, today? In this moment, now and I have flip-flopped multiple times throughout the day, um, but I think right now, in this moment, if I have to click that button as the timer is going down, I think I'm drafting Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Uh, mostly because I think that he is a system back, but he's in the perfect system for a system back. It's not Tariq Cohen on the Bears. It's one of the best pass-catching running backs on one of the teams that throws the most and does a very good job of passing and has a quarterback that likes to throw those really fun routes. And so I think that... Clyde Edwards Hilaire is who I would pick today. Will I change my mind before the episode is posted? Yes, 100%. Uh, one, last, one last thought on that. Um, I would obviously go Jonathan Taylor there. Um, but one last thought on, on Clyde Edwards, Edwards Hilaire and just the, the thought of system running backs. In the NFL, a system is going to outlast your running back. Mm-hmm. Andy Reid has been doing this for 21 years. He's made all kinds of running backs successful. You know, he's had the athletic freaks like Jamal Charles. And he's had, you know, the kind of plotters like Kareem Hunt. You know, Kareem Hunt had great contact balance and burst. But outside of that, he was very average. So um, I don't think if you've got the 101 and you want to spend it on Edwards Hilaire, I don't think you should be afraid to do so. You know, that's a great pick. Yeah, and I think most fantasy just know that Jonathan Taylor is – the prototypical bell cow yeah. that we're looking for every year. So, it's And I think that's the difference. I think you, you end up, you're going to take a chance on either one because another prototypical running back that we could have a conversation about who's got good size, good speed, good ba- ball carrier vision is, you know, someone that was drafted a couple years ago in Leonard Fournette and they're trying to shop him right now at the Jaguars and there's like no buyers. And so sometimes the prototypical guy, even in a perfect situation, isn't great. And then we could also come up with a bunch of different running backs that have been good system backs, went to the right system, and they didn't perform either. And so what's happening here is you don't have a Saquon Barkley that's drafted with like, you know, a top five pick to, to a, a perfect team. You have two running backs that could have been first round picks, but there's a lot of running back talent in the NFL right now and a lot of running back talent in this class. And, and that's with three or four guys that, didn't declare for this draft. And so there's a lot of running backs coming in next year too. And so there's an opportunity for people um, everywhere. And so I think when it comes down to these running backs, you're going to have to take a chance on one of them. But I do think that Clyde Edwards Hilaire and Jonathan Taylor are both going to hit. And I think they're both going to hit really heavy in 2021. And so I think that if you have one, the 101 or the 102, hold on to that pick, draft one of those guys. And if they fail out this year and aren't performing to what you think a top, you know, two picks should perform at, just keep them on your roster. They're gonna be they're gonna be getting massive carry increases in the next two years. Yeah, you don't you don't cut your one one and one two pick anyway. So we're all we're all good there. Cut or trade uh, or you know what I mean. Uh, you know because yeah, I yeah, think right course. now everyone and their mom guys trading. Yeah, J- Josh Jacobs and Miles Sanders last year to try and make a playoff push. That's stupid. And people don't do, do that. that though, and you know, and, and people really do do that a lot. And I think. Even people like David Montgomery, who last year you probably drafted pretty high. You probably drafted him anywhere from, in our league, someone took him with the 101 or anywhere from there to the six. And with David Montgomery, you probably are frustrated 
but the Bears didn't draft running back, so you might as well just be okay with having him. But I think when it comes to when I say you know getting rid of these guys after one year, I think a lot of times when you draft somebody that high, you 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 know their draft capital is good, and so you say, oh man, like, oh man, Clyde Edwards Hilaire is you know getting outperformed by Damian Williams. You know, I'm week five and he still hasn't had a 20 plus point week. Like, what do I do with that? Or what do I what do I do if he doesn't hit 15 points until week 10? Do you know what I mean? Which is, it's all possible stuff. I don't think it'll happen, but it's all possible. You know, you yeah. want to hold on to those guys because the, the, the fruit of your labor in this is that those guys are going to be the number one running back on that team pretty soon. And anyone who's experienced in fantasy football, they know that, and they're going to be trying to trade for those guys from you or at least trade for those picks. And they're going to give you the conversation like, well, this guy's a system back. Well, you know, he's not even the starter yet. And, you know, they're going to give you all of this, all of this stuff, all of these reasons why you shouldn't want this player on your team. And we're here to tell you as your friends, just hold on to those guys. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the flip side of this coin. You know, if you're trying to win, you know, long term, yeah. you go out and you try and like, we don't advocate taking advantage of people, no. but we're manipulating people. We don't do that. Absolutely um, not. You don't, you don't lie to people. You don't bend the truth mm-hmm. and I can hear some of our league mates right now like kind of smirking we're doing <laughs> this hearing this from my mouth I have never told a lie facts I've never told a lie you sell perceptions not players that's good I like that yes so let's move on uh let's let's look at some later round uh running backs from this class uh we've got a got a handful that we want to just touch on briefly Mm-hmm. Um, I'll start us off since I'm the vested Austin Eckler uh, owner uh, between the two of us here. Yeah. Uh, Joshua Kelly is getting a ton of love. Uh, he's drafted early in the fourth round. Um, he's a bell cow sort of athletic profile. Uh, I think he's something like 5'11", 212. Um, he's uh, um, maybe 220. He's the uh, biggest body in that backfield in in. LA Justin Jackson is like six foot one ninety nine. He's very yeah. slender. He's basically Jerry Judy out there running around as a running back. Right. So, um, uh, and then Austin Eckler obviously is five eight two oh five. So, mm-hmm. um, they you know uh, listening to uh, Anthony Lynn the other day, the Chargers head coach, talk about how they want to use Joshua Kelly. They think that he can come in and um, kind of take on that Melvin Gordon role. Um, whether or not that that means that he's going to get as much opportunity as as the established Melvin Gordon did last year uh, is one thing. I don't believe that, um, but I do think that he's worthy of a late second round rookie pick. Um, I think there's upside there. I think that they're they're not looking to give Austin Eckler probably more than sixty five percent of the running back touches, hmm. um, and that's totally fair. That's totally fair because yeah. Austin Eckler has proven in his career that he's a high efficiency back that does not need to have 90%, 85, 80% of the touches uh, right. to get the job done. He did what he did. Uh, that is, you know, PPR back like number six last year, four, something like that. Uh, he did what he did on around 45% of the touches. That's so, wild. Yeah. He's high efficiency. Now there's going to be some regression there, of course, and whether or not that regression falls Joshua Kelly's way is is up in the air. We'll see. That's why we want you to spend a late second on him. So yeah. he, he could be worth it. If, if Austin Eckler goes down, you think they're going to give Justin Jackson 20 carries a game at six foot 199? Absolutely not. 
No, and I think Joshua Kelly's got potential to get a lot of those touches in the red zone, maybe even third down, and I think that he'll he'll do well with those. Absolutely. Um, next uh, uh, next up is AJ Dillon. This was another kind of surprise. I know a lot of uh, Packers fans uh, had an episode over the AJ Dillon pick uh, because they were expecting a wide receiver. Like, let's get Aaron Rodgers some help in the passing game, right? Yeah, or even just a running back that is not seven feet tall, two hundred and fifty pounds. You know, I mean, I know he's, he's not that. Yeah, I know he's not that big. It'd be <laughs> ridiculous if there's a seven foot running back. Um, that's only happening in Madden, and I do it on purpose. But with AJ Dillon, I mean, this is the this is the can I make Derrick Henry happen again pick. But even Derrick Henry didn't happen until really last year in the playoffs when he really showed up and played like the Derrick Henry that. I thought he was coming out of the draft. I remember when the Titans drafted Derrick Henry, they still had DeMarco Murray. They they didn't really look like they needed him. I was kind of bummed about it. And then out of nowhere, DeMarco Murray regressed super hard, and Derrick Henry walked right in. And so I'm not saying that Aaron Jones is going to regress super hard. I think he's a good running back. But the thing with Aaron Jones is if you've ever had him on your fantasy roster, you know how scared you've been of him getting injured. Maybe you've traded for him like the week before he got injured. You got rid of him the week before he got injured, and you know that feeling very well. And so when it comes to running backs and injury history and all that kind of stuff, if your team drafts someone like A.J. Dillon in the second round, as a as a Packers fan, you're like, okay, cool. Like in that situation, if Aaron Jones gets injured, I'm set. But as a fantasy player, you're like, man, like what does that mean for Aaron Jones next year? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we, uh, we tweeted about this the other day. Um, look, it's not that Aaron Jones is a bad player. Uh, if anything, this is a, kind of an artificial buy window for Aaron Jones where his mm-hmm. value looks like it took a hit. You know, if you've got some Aaron Jones owners in your league who are skittish about Aaron Jones, now's the time Agreed. to go and make that, player, make that, uh, that league mate an offer. You know, see if, see if they're willing to part with Aaron Jones for below value. You know, I, I believe Aaron Jones is, is going to be a low-end RB1 this year. He's not going to be as high-end as he was last year. Um, I no. think some of those goal-line touches are going to go to A.J. Dillon, um, Jamal Williams when he's healthy, like mm-hmm. inexplicably getting touches away from Aaron Jones. Yeah. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Um, but, you know, neither does LaFleur's offense. So let's be real here. Right. You know, let's not, let's not say Aaron Jones is, you know, untouchable because – History shows he's very clearly not. He, you know, <laughs> True. First two seasons yeah. of his career, uh, he finished on IR. Yeah. So, you know, I think Lafleur wants the next coming of Derrick Henry, but I don't think he's going to get it in AJ Dillon. I think Packers fans are going to point at AJ Dillon two years from now as the reason, not Jordan Love, but AJ Dillon as the reason why Matt Lafleur gets fired. That's a cool take. Thanks. I like that take. Thanks. Let's talk about Zach Moss. This is a fun one. You are the <sighs> Devin Singletary owner in our league here. Yeah. Uh, what do what do Devin Singletary owners need to hear right now? Do they just need a warm blanket? I think. Well, here's my thought. Okay, if Zach Zach Moss is an, is a decent running back, we mentioned him in our last episode. Of, of the Chiefs maybe even making a play for that guy. The thing is, is even the the Bills have made it known that Zach Moss is going to be fulfilling the Frank Gore role. Frank Gore is not nearly as scary as Melvin Gordon in terms of fulfilling a hole. 
you know, when you talk about Josh Kelly. Number filling, three running back all time. Sorry. Just had to when, say that. Yeah. When you talk about um, someone replacing Melvin Gordon, it's like, oh, that's like a legitimate target share, right? When you look at someone replacing Frank Gore, there was moments where Frank Gore, you know, he was just sitting in the waiver wire because he wasn't really doing much. And so I think as a, as a Singletary owner, I actually feel good about it. I don't feel like Singletary took a huge hit there. At that moment in the draft, Zach Moss was kind of the last running back that you could really be worried about. If you have a running back, you know, if, if you had a running back that you were scared about maybe losing touches or losing uh, trade value or anything like that, Zach Moss was probably the last person on the board that you'd be worried about in, in all reality. I don't mean like he was the last running back in the world you're worried about, but he's at least in that tier of running backs that were going to get drafted and get a substantial role. And when the Bills drafted him, he was like the last one of those guys available. And so for me, I think Singletary still is going to play well. I think this is a good pick for them. I think that Zach Moss is going to get the touches that he earned by being in that draft pick. I think he's going to play well, but I'm not too worried about Singletary's draft value or him being on my fantasy roster. Yeah, I see uh, I see it like Zach Moss is going to be the red zone back goal line back easily i mean for god's sake the guy's 5'9 226 pounds think yeah. about that he's thick that is he's a bowling ball that's like a 33 bmi which is obese yeah. literally he is that's obese. dummy thick to say yeah uh, the least yeah so he's uh he's gonna be hard to stop at the goal line uh and, and he's very different too. ideal i think that's his ideal role in the nfl really and, yeah um yeah devin singletary is probably going to get you the yards mm-hmm. um he didn't really show much of a pass catching upside last year. He didn't show that in college either. Um, but you know, things can change. We'll see. Uh, yeah. Uh, that bills offense, uh, running back one, Josh Allen. Right. <laughs> Next on the list. <laughs> Next on the list. Uh, let's skip over number four, Josh. Uh, yeah, I agree. And then we'll get back. Uh, we'll get back. Uh, get back to him last just because he went undrafted. Uh, but let's talk about Darrington Evans for the Tennessee Titans. I love Darrington Evans. I was high on him. I actually kind of thought the Chiefs would grab him later on in the draft instead of drafting uh, running back in the first round. And I love him. I think he's going to be super fun. I think that he's got potential to be the Titans starting running back in the next couple of years after Derrick Henry inevitably comes off of a franchise tag and signs somewhere else. Yeah, he's a, he's like a souped-up Deion Lewis, so um, that'll be fun. And uh, just a reminder, just a couple of years ago, uh, LaFleur <laughs> was giving Deion Lewis touches over Derrick Henry. So yeah. um, we'll see what happens with that. Obviously, LaFleur is uh, ruining the Packers organization and not the Titans uh, right now. So, um, But he's a valuable back. Um, if Derrick Henry regresses, that regression is probably, probably going to go Darrington Evans' way. So, yeah. uh, I would say he's worth worth a, an early third round, mid, mid, late, somewhere in the third, wherever you feel comfortable taking him. He's a good yeah. back. He's talented. He's bursty. He's got good hands. You know, he's the kind of player that you want. Yeah, if you're the Derrick um, Henry then, owner, you want him super bad. All right. So next on our list here, uh, this is, this one's pretty pretty deep here, super deep. Uh, he was a seventh round pick for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, I would say he was probably a value there. It's Eno Benjamin. Yeah, uh, he's. I like Eno. Yeah, he's got uh, within this running running back class, he had the highest college target share at fourteen point four percent. Yeah, that's that's 
that's insanity. Like typically for your, for running backs that you want to invest in running back prospects, you want their college target share to be somewhere around nine to 12%. 14% is blowing it out of the water. Yeah. And um, that I think he profiles as a, as kind of a third down back there. Um, obviously they've got Chase Edmonds there still. Um, he's like a lesser version of Chase Edmonds. Um, he could make a difference. Uh, it's Eno Benjamin. You know, he was the talk of the town just two years ago. Yeah. So. And a lot of people yeah. have his NFL comparison to Duke Johnson, which I think would be really cool for that Cardinals offense. And I think that he's a player that he could he could walk in and make touches. But the thing is, too, is with the Cardinals offense, they really are kind of crazy with running backs. I think last year there was like over a thousand running backs that were on that roster. Not in real not in reality, but it felt like that, you know? And Kenyon Drake will be the clear number one, but Chase Edmonds as the clear number two, I think with Eno Benjamin getting drafted. And if this was a normal NFL season with a normal training camp and a normal preseason, like I think Eno Benjamin could have worked his way into those touches, or at least some of them. And so I think Eno Benjamin's a cool player. I don't know if I would draft him in the first three rounds. I don't even know if I'd draft him in a rookie draft, depending on how many rounds you have. But he'd be a cool person to keep your eye on, especially in the waiver wire through the first couple of weeks of the year. Absolutely, yeah. And that's 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 how he profiles, you know. Um, in, a, in a PPR league, maybe you spend a late, spend a fifth on him, you know, yeah. if, if you've got Drake already on your roster. Um, but, yeah, we just wanted to call attention to that just because the skill set fits the landing spot. So yeah. um, let's move on here to, you know, kind of what this means for the veteran running backs out there. You know, we've got uh, the biggest veteran running back winners. Um, we've got Austin Eckler, uh, Matt Breida got traded to the Dolphins for a fifth rounder to an ideal spot for him. And then Miles Sanders, too. They didn't. They had the opportunity to draft another running back to fill the Jordan Howard role. And while most of us didn't expect them to do that, it's the Eagles. Let's be real, guys. Yeah. Doug Peterson, for his entire coaching career, has deployed a committee. So it was very much on the radar to us. Uh, it didn't happen. So Miles Sanders stands rejoice which if you're if you're a miles sanders owner or if you're like man like so then who's the committee back in philadelphia i'll tell you right now it's, it's boston scott i don't know if you looked at boston scott's if you go to a sleeper app or if you go into uh, any of the career logs boston scott had a pretty decent like run towards the end of the season last year and um he'll probably be a part of that committee yeah yeah, so Austin Eckler at the top of this list here. Um, I know it's we talked about Joshua Kelly. Uh, we think he's he, he saw a pretty good uh, pretty good gain in value from this. They didn't go out and I mean they traded their second and third round picks away, which are prime running back mm-hmm. territory, and they didn't grab any of those running backs who would have just completely. They didn't grab J.K. Dobbins, you know, who would have destroyed Austin Eckler's value. Yeah, um, so. Uh, Austin Eckler comes out looking pretty good. I think, uh, I think his floor is um, running back one, uh, like the bottom tier running back one. I think his ceiling is about running back five. I think his ceiling is to be top five again in PPR. I think that's realistic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Matt Breida, we talked about. He's he's there with Jordan Howard. Um, I think they're going to form 
a pretty complimentary duo there. That's going to be a really fun uh, committee it was, to see. It was surprising. Uh, that was in con- that was a contender for my biggest letdown is that the Dolphins didn't draft a running back. Um, but I think Matt Breed is a great running back to get there. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, you see all these Matt Breida fans out out here tweeting, hashtag, you know, free Matt Breida. <laughs> now they're all celebrating Matt Breida's free. You know, yeah. and so if you're a Matt, Matt Breida owner, I was thinking about trading for him just last week before the draft, and I kicking myself that I didn't because yeah. he was dirt cheap. Now, yeah. now he's not. So. No, he's not. And so. I think Jordan Howard still wins out, too. I know that uh, on the show sheet, you put down Matt Breda, and I just added Jordan Howard as a sub ad because I think Jordan Howard still plays out as a win as a veteran running back because they didn't draft a running back. I know that they used their fifth-round pick to obtain a younger guy like Matt Breda, but I do think Jordan Howard is still going to get a lot of red zone touches, and Jordan Howard is still a good running back. Like I know that yeah. he's not a great running back, and I know that he's been on three teams, He's kind of like the journeyman version of Ryan Fitzpatrick at running back, which is perfect for the Dolphins because they love Fitzpatrick. But I think with Jordan Howard, it, I think he's still going to get a good touchdown count. I could see Matt Breda and Jordan Howard actually being pretty equal in terms of fantasy value this year. I think that yeah. Breda is going to get a lot of um, stuff in between the 20s, and I think Jordan Howard's going to get a lot of stuff inside the 20s. And so I think that'll be a really fun tandem to have, and I think it'll be really fun to see who plays out as the winner at the end of the fantasy season. Absolutely. Um, so let's move on to biggest veteran running back losers. Um, I added a name that wasn't on the list. I'm surprised I forgot it. It was pretty late when I was picking up the show sheet. Yeah. Um, and Johnson is an obvious loser. Obvious loss. You know, yeah. we expected it. We talked about it. Um, a lot of people saw this coming. You know, you can't start your first two seasons in the NFL ended and ending on IR and then go in, you know, produce a top season unless your name is apparently Aaron Jones. Right. Um, spoiler alert, carry on Johnson's name is not Aaron Jones. Yep. Um, so, you know, we see him as a, as a loser, but we think he'll still be involved. He's still a talented running back, mm-hmm. you know, and this is perfect for him. And this is why we're a little bit bummed about DeAndre Swift. Um, you know, it's not that carry on Johnson is going to go and be this, you know, high value running back from here on. No, it's that it's that he's, going to be in a role that's more suited to to him as a player right yeah he's he's fragile clearly yeah. so uh, and it's disappointing because he's got this amazing you know athletic you know profile profiles as a bell cow but he just can't hold up um so he you know he's a loser in the fact that he's no longer a running back one yeah i agree with that or or you know he never really was honestly guys but you drafted uh, that's him because that of, that's because of injury so yeah um uh another big one obviously is marlon mack yeah um we talked about how he's he's still gonna have value you know these guys are still gonna be involved unless you know the teams you know treat him like carlos like the chiefs treated carlos Hyde last year and just cut him yeah. <laughs> right before the preseason yeah, I don't um, think that'll happen with Mac. I mean, there was moments no. last year where Mac looked great. I actually traded for Marlon Mack like two months ago in our dynasty league, uh, in a different dynasty league where I traded Marlon Mack, uh, traded to get Marlon Mack, and that it stinks because I gave up some pretty good capital for him because I, in my mind I'm like, oh, Marlon Mack could be a top ten running back this year with Philip Rivers, and then they draft Jonathan Taylor. But I think yeah. you look at what Philip Rivers can do with Marlon Mack and what he can do with Jonathan Taylor, I think that they're still going to have a good split. And I think that if Marlon Mack can stay healthy and if Marlon Mack can show that he can compete for some of those touches, I think that you know he'll probably get traded or he'll get signed somewhere next year that will maybe give him a little bit more of a chance. 
Yeah. The really disappointing thing about Marlon Mack in his short career so far is that uh, in college, he actually played a little bit of receiver. He started out as a wide receiver. You know, so he's got the hands. They've just never used him because they've always had Naheem Hines. So um, I think Naheem Hines kind of retains his value here. Jonathan Taylor's not a big pass catcher. If they use him like that, then obviously Hines is dead. Uh, yeah. But, you know, and if they use Jonathan Taylor, the full spectrum of his skill set, you know, running and catching the ball, like, yeah, then he's the best. One on one is an easy world. choice, guys. It's Jonathan yeah. Taylor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, um, yeah. So Marlon Mack is, uh, he's, yeah, he's, uh, he's an elite handcuff now. I think so, so. too. Yeah. Um, Aaron Jones' future as a Packer, we've talked about already a little bit. Uh, we still think he'll be a running back one this year, um, I think pretty easily. Um, but beyond that, I don't. I, I think the drafting of A.J. Dillon gives the Packers uh, an excuse not to offer Aaron Jones a contract. Well, I think this is a make-or-break year for Aaron Jones, too, just in terms of injury history. I think he has to be healthy this year. He needs yeah. to be healthy this year for the full year if he wants to get any sort of contract in the future with the Packers or if he wants to sign somewhere next year. Because if he were to end up on IR or be out for half the season again, like I don't know what that would look like for him. But I do know yeah, what it absolutely. would look like for A.J. Dillon, and it doesn't bode well for Jones. No. No. And that's a great point that you bring up because that's that's kind of the saving grace of Aaron Jones' fantasy you know, relevance. Yeah. Aaron Jones owners, like you're hoping that he goes somewhere after the Packers that values him and pays him and like uses him. <laughs> yeah. You know, otherwise he'll go the way of so many running backs before him and he'll play three or four years at a semi high level and then just disappear. Yeah. Um, he'll, you know, he'll turn into a, a guy who pops up here and there and, you know, his injury history suggests that he's not built for a long-term career in the NFL. So that's why I, you know, I've had multiple opportunities uh, to trade for Aaron Jones in the past, and I've just never been able to do it in dynasty just because it's like, you know, what's this guy really worth? You know, yeah. we want, we want four years tops out of running backs. And yeah. this guy, it like, he's been hurt for two of them. Yeah. And next year, if he's hurt, then he, like, great, cool. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. And I think um, that's the fear that you have with Aaron Jones, and I think that's the fear you have with people like Carryon Johnson too. I think, you know, these guys with high injury history, it's hard for you to want to spend capital on them to be on your team if they're just going to fill your IR slot. Absolutely, uh, Josh. I want you to talk about Daryl Henderson a little bit since you own Daryl Henderson. You know, I and uh, <sighs> what Cam Akers means for Daryl Henderson. Cam Akers means Daryl Henderson has died, is what it means. Because I think Cam ha Cam Akers is one of my favorite running backs in this class. You know, I just I just love me a Florida State running back. You know, and so with Cam Akers, seen his thighs. Yeah, they're oh my god. Yeah, they're gargantuan. They look like Saquon's thighs. In yeah. case y'all haven't seen. They look like DK Metcalf's biceps. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, he's a big yes. dude, and so I mean, Cam hashtag thick boy. Thick boy, Cam Akers, my thick boy. Uh, in the Rams uniform is going to be really fun to watch. I'm just bummed for Daryl Henderson because, you know, last year I, I drafted him, or you drafted him pretty high, and I traded for him. 
Um, and so Daryl Henderson is a bummer. It's one of those players that you take a chance on, you hope that they pan out, and it doesn't seem like he's going to pan out. I think he's probably going to get some touches. He'll probably get some stuff out of the backfield, but I think Cam Akers is clearly in a position to get be a three-down back in Los Angeles. Yeah, I think you look at it uh, like like they used the running backs last year. You know, they I, I think they wanted to use Daryl Henderson more in a pass catching role. Yeah, and um, that just never really like he had, some, he, he had some splash plays, but like he yeah. didn't really do a whole lot. No, um, he's not on you your radar. Up, when you yeah, when you trade up for a running back like Daryl Henderson, you want him to pan out, produce. Yeah, and he didn't. Mm-mm. He didn't. And now he's got. A, he's super young. He's only had one year in the league. Yeah. And um, he, you know, when they drafted him, you know, Les Snead, the GM, was talking about how, you know, that's their Alvin Kamara. You know, that's the. He he turned to Sean McVay and said, "This is, you know, so this is your Alvin Kamara type." And yeah, like, and you heard that. And you I'm still waiting him to see that. Super yeah, high. I heard yeah. that. And I'm like, oh my god, I want this guy on my roster right now. Yeah. You know. And I was the girly yeah. owner at the time, which is why I traded for him. Yeah. Yeah, which is smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's smart. Yeah. Um, but I think I think that backfield is going to be a split going forward. I think Cam Akers is going to see a 60% share, and Daryl Henderson is going to see a 40% share. I can see that. Uh, Damien Williams. I'm calling him a semi-loser just because he's he's only got a year left on his contract with the Chiefs anyway. Yeah. And he's probably going to see 60% of – the running back touches unless they, you know, pull a Carlos Hyde on him and cut him right before the preseason and just give the reins to CEH, which would make CEH an immense value. But I don't mm-hmm. see that happening. You can't can't do that to your basically basically a Super Bowl MVP. Um, yeah, he's played well. Two hundred ninety yards and six touchdowns in the playoffs. I know I said that last podcast, but I feel like it bears repeating. Like that's Damian Williams' savings saving saving yeah. Damian Williams' saving grace. Yeah, I can't even say that phrase. Uh, it's it's uh, getting late here. <laughs> yeah, I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, no, it's yeah. okay. We're wrapping up. Uh, wrap, get ready to wrap up here. We still got a few wide receivers we want to talk about. But the last running back uh, loser is Ronald Jones. Oh yeah, Rojo is done. Dare Ogunbunuwale is done. Keyshawn Vaughn is going to be a sleeper pick for you in most rookie drafts. And I think, you know, last year there was a couple of people that you might have jumped early on if you're in a rookie draft league. And there's a lot of guys that you, you know, in redraft leagues, you were drafting rookies because they're there. You don't even know what they can do yet. You're drafting them early because of potential. Keyshawn Vaughn's got a lot of potential. Bruce Arians is a really cool guy to be under if you're a running back, especially if you're someone like Keyshawn Vaughn. And especially if you have someone like Tom Brady. I mean, oh my gosh, this guy really has potential to be one of the better running backs in this draft, at least this year. I think, you know, like I said, in 2021, 2022, Jonathan Taylor, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, those kind of guys are going to be top-notch. Even even J.K. Dobbins, I think, is going to be a legitimate running back in 2021 um, and will be this year too, obviously. But uh, in terms of, you know, bell cow, number one guy, um, I think Keyshawn Vaughn's got a really cool potential here. And Ronald Jones is young too. But Ronald Jones has yet to really show us what he can do. And so when, you know, you got that news alert last week or last couple weeks ago where it was like talking about how the Buccaneers are committed to Ronald Jones, it's like you're clearly not committed to Ronald Jones if you draft a guy like Keyshawn Vaughn. Absolutely. And I don't think anyone really bought 
Arians. That's that's classic coach speak. He said it last year, and it was a big deal. You know, Ronald Jones is notorious confidence issues because he's so young. Um, that's been at least been the prevailing story with him is that he has these confidence issues, and so I don't think I don't I really don't think Bruce Arians wants to put up with him for a whole lot longer. Um, I think the most damning evidence here for Ronald Jones is that in drafting Keyshawn Vaughn, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers got a top three pass blocking running back in this class. Yeah. And Ronald Jones cannot pass block. Well, and that was uh, one of the issues with the Buccaneers being, you know, one of the narratives was that the Buccaneers would draft someone like Clyde Edwards Hilaire or, or someone in, like in that prototype area. And, they instead went and drafted a guy that's just as talented, not just as talented, but is as talented in all reality, but can also block. And that's huge for someone like Tom Brady because now you, you've got a perfect situation. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's move on to uh, receiver some quick talk. Wide, re- wide receiver talk. Um, we're going to try and do this a little bit quick. Uh, we'll just touch here. on this quick. It'll be good, guys. Yeah, so... Um, I wanted to talk about Jalen Rager yeah. for the Eagles. Uh, he got selected, I believe, as pick 21, first rounder. Picked over Justin uh, Jefferson, too, which I loved. Yeah. Uh, we've loved Jalen Rager here at in my league uh, for yeah. the longest time. He's explosive. Uh, I think he's much faster than he tested at the combine. Um, his pro day speed was like a 4.28. Yeah. Which is legit fast. That's you know, zoom in. Not gonna, not gonna throw out the unicorn himself's name, Tyreek Hill, but that's that's as fast. Jalen Rager is Tyreek Hill light. I'm calling it right now. Actually, he'd be Tyreek Hill heavy because he's about ten pounds heavier. Yeah, he's th- <laughs> he's, he's dummy thick. Which is great. Which is great for the NFL. Because, oh, hundred percent. Yeah, it's like having having like a little miniature AJ Brown in terms of BMI. Yeah. Comparison having a little AJ Brown. AJ Brown, Tyreek Speed, that's a Madden character. That's not hashtag, a real person. Hashtag Team Thick Boy here. Yeah, I'm big um, on Jalen Rager. Yeah, that target opportunity in Philadelphia is massive. That's just there. Alshon Jeffrey is dust. Um, Ogalor's gone. Jay Jaw didn't really wide side struggled in his rookie season. He yeah. could take a big step. He could. But I'm not counting on it. He also couldn't. Um, yeah. 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 So Jalen Rager is, a, is, is set up to succeed. And I think the Jalen Rager pick increases Miles Sanders' uh, value as well. Yeah. And I don't buy the argument that Jalen Rager is just a stretch Z wide receiver. He's not just a deep threat, y'all. He's, he can mm-hmm. do it all. Um, and he's built to go over the middle, too. He's not like Henry Ruggs. Yeah, he's thick. He's 185 or yeah. 190, whatever he is. Speaking um, of he- so. Henry Ruggs, let's talk about the next receiver on this list, Brian Edwards. That's a great landing spot. You know, Absolutely. I think with Brian Edwards, I think what they did with that draft pick was they drafted speed like the Raiders do with their first round pick. And then they drafted a wide receiver that'll take some targets and be, you know, in a couple seasons could be one of the better receivers on that team. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's uh, I think he's the wide receiver one in 2021. Oh, I could uh, see that. Unless we're not just not seeing something with Henry Ruggs. Uh, we think he's overdrafted. John Ross 2.0. 
um, Darius Hayward Bay. You know, the Raiders have made this mistake before, so they have. let's just yeah. call it, let's just call it like it is. I don't want to. Um, we don't, you know, it's not like we're out here like damning players poorly. No. If you can see it in an NFL snap, it's just the profile isn't there. He was a high efficiency wide receiver in college, yeah, but look at who else was on the field with him. Like, well, and I think the issue who is, is who is he really beating in college? You know, yeah, yeah. SEC DBs, but they were all the top ones were covering Judy. Yeah, and I think for for me the the big the big thing for Henry Ruggs is that he wasn't even the lead deep route guy in Alabama last year. You know, I think next year we can see Devonte go this early because he's he got more deep route passes than Ruggs did last year at Alabama, and so. For me, for you to call him a deep threat guy when he really wasn't even the lead deep threat on that team, the lead deep threats on that team were like Devontae Smith. And so it's really interesting for me that you draft a guy based off of his measurables, but you don't. You know, it's, it's so weird. I don't understand how the NFL works. And, and maybe this is something in my league can touch on, go on Twitter and answer this question for us. But why do players that measure at speed get drafted over guys that get measured at size and speed? Because Chase Claypool, speed kills, baby. But Chase Claypool's fast, and he's but he's more more prototypical for a wide receiver. I mean, he's got good measurables, he's he's good size, and he's just as fast. So it's like so confusing when you see those two things lined up next next to each other. And I, I'm not saying that Henry Ruggs and Claypool are in the same talent window, but I I do think it's interesting that the Steelers drafted Chase Claypool as high as they did over receivers that were still on the board like Denzel Mims, and so you know. It's just a question to ask, like, man, I know speed kills because it's hard not to draft speed when you see someone like Tyreek Hill twice a year and you see someone like Sammy Watkins twice a year. You have no other choice but then to draft the fastest wide receiver because in your head you're like, okay, we just need somebody to outrun Tyron Matthew twice a year. Do you know what I mean? And you so gotta keep up with the Chiefs. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it is. And yeah. so they're, they're grabbing a guy that they can just boom the ball to, but did they grab the right guy to boom the ball to? That's the question. Because if you would have drafted Jalen Rager there, I would have been like, that's a great pick. But Brian Edwards, let's refocus on him here. He uh, he's the guy with the seventeen point eight age adjusted breakout. Yeah, the earliest age adjusted breakout for wide receiver all time, at least that we know of. Um, yeah, we we think he's in a smash spot. He's 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 gonna be the wide receiver one in twenty twenty one if the Raiders don't go wide receiver again in the draft next year. Yeah. Um, uh, next on our list here is T. Higgins. I love it. You I love, love T. Higgins. So I'm going to let you talk about T. Higgins. I just love him. I think he's incredible. I think that he's in one of the best offenses for T. Higgins. I mean, he gets to play underneath A.J. Green. He's already been playing catch with Joe Burrow. And I mentioned this earlier uh, when we were going over the notes for the podcast, but the last time that the Colts drafted a starting quarterback and a receiver was Andy Dalton and A.J. Green. And so it's kind of cool to see that combo again where they've got these two guys that they could be a, they could be a decade together just crushing stuff. And I think T. Higgins is a good wide receiver. They've used big wide receivers before. They've got the guys that spread the field with John Ross. They've got guys that can catch possession catches and Tyler Boyd. And so it's, it's cool to see that they drafted T. Higgins because he's probably going to be your red zone target guy. They don't have Tyler Eifert. And so it's, it's going to be really interesting to see if they use him. Because if Auden Tate was on my fantasy team last year then t higgins is absolutely better than Auden tate in my opinion and so i think that he'll get some of those targets and play really well 
And they draft yeah. big guys all the time. They've drafted, drafted Auden Tate. They drafted Josh Malone, who was another huge wide receiver. And so for the Bengals to draft T. Higgins, it makes so much sense. And for them to draft T. Higgins while Joe Burrow's coming in, that's just super fun. And so I'm yeah. excited to see what he can do. Yeah, uh, the Bengals beat reporter today actually um, suggests that we're going to see T. Higgins in the starting lineup this year. I would believe that. Mm-hmm. I would 100% so, believe that. So uh, we think he's probably a mid to late second round pick, which would be a value. Yeah. Uh, I'm shooting true. for him. Yeah. Um, and then last on our uh, kind of quick wide receiver talk list here is Brandon Ayuk, who the 49ers traded back into the first round for. Yeah. Um, Shanahan, Kyle, Kyle Shanahan had him as the wide receiver one on his board, which is something. That's um, saying something. I, I would disagree. I think most other fantasy folks would disagree. Um, but it's undeniable that the skill set matches the landing spot perfectly. You have mm-hmm. one of the best yak receivers in this class coming into a, an offensive scheme that prioritizes those types of receivers Yeah. Um, who schemes for them. And... Um, he might be a little bit redundant to Debo, um, but I think just in terms of pure landing spot, not necessarily even fantasy related here, uh, it's perfect for him. You know, and you love yeah. to see players in situations that that fit are good them. for them. Yeah, that that sets them up for success. So if Debo Samuel goes out next year and craps the bed, you know, you're gonna want Brandon Ayuk. So yeah, like, you know, and here's the thing. Brandon Ayuk is a better separator than Debo Samuel. Yeah. Debo Samuel's a bully. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'll give him that. Brandon Ayuk isn't quite as physical as Samuel, but um, Ayuk doesn't need to be that. You know, yeah. He's a better separator. Uh, he's got better speed. Uh, I would take him. You know, I know we've been talking about a lot of late second round picks here, but there's just a lot of value at that point in the draft. Yeah, and I think that's if you're listening to this podcast and you have questions about who you're taking in the second round, that's probably pretty realistic because I know in you know I'm in three dynasty leagues and a couple of them are only a couple years old and people trade their picks like like banta fodder in those leagues they trade it like it's nothing it's just like oh yep here I'm gonna get rid of this pick get rid of this pick and so there's some people that don't have a first round pick in their dynasty league and they're like oh my gosh dude I'm not gonna get CeeDee Lamb I'm not gonna get Jerry Judy I'm not gonna get Jonathan Taylor or CEH or maybe even J.K. Dobbins and you know so they're listing off all these players and so for you you might have a couple picks in the second round or at least one maybe the second round is your only pick you know in the first you know 24 picks and so you, you want to be paying attention to these players like Brian Edwards and T. Higgins and Brandon Ayuk and and Rager will probably go in the first round in most dynasty league drafts, I yeah. assume. Yeah, he'll be late first. Um, but these other guys, they're people you got to pay attention to and do some research on too. So you watch some of their tape. You know, pay attention to uh, some of the beat re- reporters because information like T. Higgins potentially being in the starting lineup, that's something that if you know that and the people drafting before you don't know that, you're in a beneficial situation. And so, yeah. Another another thing on T. Higgins potentially being in the starting lineup here. I know we're, we're talking about Ayuk, but I just wanted to hit on this. Um, getting him, you know, whether he's fantasy relevant in year one, doesn't matter. Like, that's, you know, it takes wide receivers a little bit of time to ramp up. It and does, yeah. With, with T. Higgins, like, you just want him to get experience. 
Agreed. I want him to get NFL experience yeah. in, in a time. And this is this this will take us into our, our next point here. Look at him experience in a time where there's not going to be training camp. There's not going to be mm-hmm. um, a full off-season regimen for these rookies coming in. They're going to be behind the eight ball, especially wide receivers. It's a highly technical position in the NFL. Yeah. It's more technical in the NFL than it is in college. So if you have guys who are not great route runners, who, who don't understand the position instinctually, they're going to struggle in year one. Yeah. And, you know, that could be present a buying opportunity later next year. Yeah. But, but for a guy like T Higgins, it's massive for him to, to see the field in year one. Yeah. You I think want it's a that. big deal. He might suck. He might not do well, but you know, just the value of him getting on the field Agreed. will yield much better results for you in year two. So draft him knowing that draft most of these wide receivers knowing that, you know, this pandemic stuff is going to affect them more than it is running backs. Same with quarterbacks. Yeah. You know, the guys like Jalen hurts, obviously he wasn't going to see the field, but um, Joe Burrow, you know, how's he going to learn an offensive system, you know, with, without an off season training program. Yeah. Obviously the team is going to try and compensate for that. But it's just going to be different. It's it going to be, be different, and yeah. you, you can't. There's no way to 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 know what to expect. Well, there's definitely not going to be any hands-on learning for those guys. You know, I think yeah. you know when I think about anytime I've been in organized sports, you can watch as much tape as you want, you can read the playbook as much as you want, but you really don't get a feel for it until you hike the ball and you're in it. And so I think for a lot of these guys, it's you know the first preseason game if they have a preseason game or maybe even the first game of the week you know it might be they may have only been on the field maybe 10 12 times before that moment and so it's going to be a really raw first game I think no matter no matter who you draft but so I think that these guys T Higgins Edwards Ayuk like those are guys that you could grab pretty pretty much in the second round guaranteed and and you'd be stoked about it yeah That'll do it for tonight's show. Uh, we want to thank you for listening. Uh, again, this is if if you didn't if you weren't paying attention, this is the In My League podcast. We're on Twitter at IML Podcast, not at IML underscore podcast. Like I said last week, um, I wrote it down wrong. It was late. Don't just just go follow us on Twitter. No please. judgment. Follow us on Twitter. Yeah. yeah, if you have a question about your roster, we'd love to hear it. Uh, if you do you need a trade graded, we would love to hear it. You know, I am fantastic at trades. So you want my advice. <laughs> I actually would agree with that. So like, honestly though, I would, I would not doubt that. And so I would say, you know, if you have a question about I'm your kidding, roster, sure. if you need a trade graded, if you need Jordan to just compliment you about how great your trade is, or if you need me to tell you about how horrible your trade is, those are things that you can do on Twitter. We I want think it's to... probably the other way around there. I'm, I'm much better at telling people where, where they're wrong. I was trying to be nice. but um, uh... <laughs> <laughs> You're terrible. Yeah. That is a terrible deal. No, don't do that. No. <laughs> so, but Why for real. Why do you even play fantasy football? Stop. <laughs> But for real, if you do have a question about your roster and need a trade graded, uh, hit us up on Twitter. We want to we wanna make sure that we're interacting with you. This is your podcast. It's your league. It should be your podcast. So make sure you're engaging with us because we're just two guys that love fantasy football. We've been doing this for almost a decade, and we just want to be able to have a conversation and build community with other people that are doing the same. So make sure you follow our podcast 
follow the Twitter page and share this with people in your league. Like, feel free to say, hey, like, listen to these two guys talk about these receivers and running backs. Like, what do you think? And if your friends think we're wrong, great. We need that too. It's the same, the most important thing about these kind of podcasts, the most important thing about fantasy football is to engage with people that are going to tell you you know everything and engage with people that tell you you know nothing. You can never get enough information when it comes to fantasy football. You can never get enough feedback when it comes to fantasy football or to your your roster or to who, who to draft or who to trade. And so feel free to give us a follow on Twitter, engage with us on Twitter, and feel free to subscribe to this podcast and, and make sure that you leave a comment. Tell us what you like, tell us what you don't like, and we will see you guys next week.